0: Listening to the 30 Podcast. Here's your
1: host, Jazz Kang.
0: Oh, what a day in Lakerland. Lots to discuss on this episode of the Thirty Podcast. Brought to you, of course, by Silverscreen and Roll.com. Check out the website. Lots of content today from the crew. Obviously, it was trade deadline just a few hours ago. Uh, Harris and Anthony Christian were rolling, giving out instant analysis, details, and opinions on the Lakers' moves and some of the ones they didn't make as well. Obviously, Anthony Davis, the big one there. And also, don't forget, subscribe to our podcast network. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much everywhere. And definitely listen to Anthony and Christian's podcast from earlier that happened right after the deadline. Uh, They broke down a bit of the bio market and looking ahead to free agency and more. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter as well, at LakersSBN. I'm at jazzkang 21 Joining me after the Lakers win in Boston, Rajon Rondo hit a crazy buzzer beater to give the Lakers a one-point W. Uh, Lots of breakdown from there. With me today is Sabrina Merchant. She writes for us at silverscreenenroll.com, also writes for a few other outlets as well. Sabrina, long day for you, but how are you doing tonight?
1: It's been a real roller coaster, but I'm feeling good now.
0: <laughs> I know, it was, it was funny. I was sitting there, I was refreshing my phone maybe every single 10 seconds, waiting to see a, a big name drop in the trade deadline, but we didn't get to see the Anthony Davis chip kind of fall, but I thought that was going to happen coming into the week anyways.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I was pretty certain that Anthony Davis was going to get moved up until yesterday when it all the reporting seemed to indicate that New Orleans was just trying to make L.A. really work for it. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really like our young guys. I'm not too disappointed about it.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny. Like when when I saw the original rumor that uh, that Magic had basically offered up the farm to get Anthony Davis, I was kind of like, well, that's a. I mean, I, I think they should keep at least one out of the three. am referring to Kuzma, uh, Ingram, and and Lonzo. But uh, when he did that, I'm like, all right, they got they got to have something else in place, whether you know bringing in some more guys to finish it up. But I've I've been under the mindset that if they didn't get Davis by the trade deadline, they're not going to get him. And I, I think that ultimately. Uh, the Pelicans will make a move with Boston, and, and the Celtics will pull the trigger on it, uh, barring they win a championship or something this year that they they feel like they have to bring back the same squad. But uh, uh, to, to you, what, where do you think the Anthony Davis is? Is that dead now coming to L.A., at least for next season? Whereas, I mean, he might sign here for the 2020-2021 uh, year?
1: I think it's absolutely still in play that he could come in and trade in July. I don't think that the Lakers are going to walk away from the table a second time just because – it's Anthony Davis. There's just no talent like him that's going to be available. So if you can get him, I mean, you just forget what happened this week and just start negotiating again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. People look at him like they're, they're trading, um, Kuzma and, and BI and Lonzo for, for a guy who's like 30 and and been in the league for 12 seasons. Like dude's only 25. He's an MVP level candidate. Uh, if you're going to have to give up something to get him. Uh, I think, obviously, the Pelicans hold, hold the cards here, and it doesn't seem like they're too willing to, to, to deal with the Lakers uh, on that front. But, you know, the Lakers did make a couple of smaller moves today. Uh, not popular with the fan base at first, but uh, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, we had the Reggie Bullock uh, trade happen earlier this week. I think that'll be an upgrade for them for, for as much as people love Svi. Uh, Bullock gives him some much-needed outside shooting. He's almost a 40% guy uh, from beyond the arc. And they also got Mike Muscula today from the Clippers for uh, Zubak and, and Beasley. What were your thoughts on that trade?
1: Like you, I was a big fan of the Bullock trade. Uh, I mean, we all, we all have a soft spot for speed, but I think it was pretty clear that he just was not ready for the NBA level at this point. The Muscala trade is not as exciting for me. I don't think he's that good. I really liked the way Zubac was playing. I think that he was going to develop into a starting caliber center, which... The Lakers won't have on their roster next year, assuming Javelin and Tyson don't stick around. And the type of player that Muscala is is the type of player we already drafted this year in the first round with Mo Wagner. So I just don't really see the value. I don't see why you'd surrender a good asset to get an expired contract. It's None of it really makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I haven't been a huge fan of, of uh, Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka's little rebuilding plan. I mean, obviously, they got the big fish in, in LeBron, but I, I don't know what the long the long-term plan is here. Like, if you strike out with, with the guys like Clay and, and Kawhi, uh, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, what, what's the next step? I mean, are you just going to eat up your cap space and say, hey, let's go after Bradley Beal or, or, or bring in Kemba Walker? Like, is that going to make you a championship team?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a scary thought. I think uh, everyone thought they were going to get LeBron and Paul George in the offseason, and then they wouldn't have to make these decisions. But they haven't really shown an ability to pivot from that loss. And if they don't get Anthony Davis, I, they're not the number one target for any of these free agents, from what I understand. I mean, I like Kemba Walker a lot. I think you can pair him next to LeBron James, provided you don't have to give him a full max load of money. I don't know what he's really looking for.
0: But, well, I think he, he, he might get, he's going to get overpaid by someone, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if he likes the fit with LeBron, then you might be able to entice him to take a little bit less. But Charlotte, I think, is going to offer him the full vote. New York will probably offer him a good chunk of change if their second max doesn't work out, which I do not think it will. Uh,
0: yeah, this is going to be it's going to be interesting going into the uh, off season. Let's talk about l- this game. I mean, we have so much to talk about with the roster stuff going forward. We'll, we'll save that uh, a little bit. I, I did want to touch on 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 this game. I mean, the Lakers they were they were down nine at the half. It looked like okay, you know what? Here we go again uh, after getting their butts whooped by Indiana on on Tuesday, and you kind of looked at it and said, okay, you know what, like. The young guys are, are dealing with the trade rumors. They're not going to be able to recover. At least that, that's what I was thinking. And then they had that crazy third quarter run. And then at the end, they, they came back and pulled it out against a very good Celtics team. To me, this is the kind of win that could change your, your team going forward and, and ignite the team and, and go on a little bit of a run here where they win seven or eight out of ten and put them into a position to get back into the top six or seven in the West.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if the Lakers can't get up to play the Celtics, then really what are any of them doing on this team? This is absolutely
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge rivalry, right?
1: Exactly. And, I mean, like you, I was watching the first half. They fell behind by 15 or so in the second quarter. And I was, you know, looking back for their record thinking, okay, this is first time the team is going to be sub-500 since they were 5 and 6 earlier in the season. Like, trying to look at the Clippers' schedule and the Kings' schedule to figure out where we could make back the wins. And all of a sudden, boom, there's the run. And it's, like you said, it's exactly the kind of thing that feels like a momentum changer. Now that the trade deadline is behind them, they don't have to worry about where they're going to be going. You know, it's a much more settled place, at least for everybody but Luke Walton. So it's the kind of one you can build on it.
0: So- yeah, Luke, Wal- Luke Walton, is, a, is to me, still is a dead man walking. I mean, unless, unless the Lakers go on a crazy run here where they win, you know, like 20 or 21 out of their last 27 games— uh, get up to like a four or five seed, do a little bit of damage before. I, I don't think anybody has championship aspirations for them this year. I mean, if they get there, great. Uh, obviously, they're not going to beat the Warriors. And I think any rational basketball fan will tell you that. But um, do you think with, with, with Luke's position now and, and, and the rumors swirling that, you know, LeBron and his camp are, are pulling for a change, do you think it's pretty much a done deal that he's not here next year?
1: Yeah, I, I do think that he won't make, won't make the team at the start of next season. But I think it's a mistake. Every name that I've seen floated in place of Luke Walton is an inferior option. And he's such a young coach. This is his third year being full-time head coach. He's so young. I just don't understand what it is that they want from him that he's not providing. I mean, I'm I'm a Luke Homer. I loved him when he was on the Lakers. I just don't understand why Magic doesn't like him.
0: What did you love about Luke on the Lakers? He was like the ninth man, tenth man. What, what is there to like about him?
1: What it is when you root for a team, you become irrationally attached to the end of the bench, guys. Just <laughs>
0: <didn't> have- <laughs> well, you know what? You, you did mention that. I mean, I, I think that, you know, they were, they were sitting at, when, the, when they had LeBron fully healthy and when they had that huge win on, on Christmas Day against Golden State, they were sitting at 20 and 14. And you look at those first three losses of the year, I mean, if you take those out, and, and LeBron's teams, when he, when he has moved, have notoriously yeah, started um, You know, they, without those three losses, let's just say you take those out of the equation, they were 20 and 11, you know, basically winning 66% of their games. And who knows, maybe they could have went on more of a run and be in a position where they're, where they're with OKC and, and, uh, and, and Portland, you know, battling out for, for the third seed, let's say. But um, I agree with you. I, I think this roster has been flawed uh, from the start, I don't think Luke Walton has had a, had a fair shake. The, the one criticism I would give him, because defensively, they've been pretty damn good. Um, the team has dropped a little bit since, since Lonzo got hurt. But um, offensively, they just seem very stagnant. It's like they're not even running anything. They're, it's almost rat ball. And, and I, I think at points, he can put guys like Brandon Ingram into a better position to score. Um, what, what do you think there's one thing Luke can be doing differently? And especially watching the, the first half of today, uh, what do you think about the Lakers offense?
1: I would agree with you. I think his saving grace at this point has been the fact that the team has defended so well, not just this year, but dating back to last season. And the most maddening thing about watching the Lakers is the way Luke handles his rotations, how he has selective preference for certain guys and doesn't seem to write the hot hand when it would demand it. Um, The fact that he can't seem to figure out a way to get a lineup that has a Lance, I should rephrase that, the fact that Lance is ever running the point for any of these lineups is a bad idea. And he needs to have somebody else (laughs) taking that responsibility. Uh, The way that he staggers our best players just doesn't quite make sense to me. But honestly, I rely on the head coach more for how they perform on the defensive end. That's been tremendous. I mean, once you have LeBron, that's an offense in and of itself. And he doesn't quite look like he's back all the way. Like he's not finishing around the rim as well as you'd expect his pace and transition wasn't quite as fast as I've come to expect from LeBron James. So when he gets back to 100%, I think he will carry the offense with it. And we can rely on Luke for the other stuff.
0: All right, let, let, let me ask you something. I mean, I, I've seen that with LeBron too, obviously. And at, and at 34 years old, it's not, it's not easy after missing basically a month of, of game action to get back into it, even if you are a superhuman um, like, like LeBron James. But if you look at this team, and let's say, let's just say hypothetically, because they do have a pretty easy schedule after this Sunday game in, uh, in Philly. I mean, they, they play, uh, I think it's Atlanta on Tuesday, and then they're off for the All-Star break, and then they got like the Pelicans twice, and and then the Grizzlies in between those games. Um, so they can go on, on a bit of a run, but if, if you look at this team, if fully healthy, let's say Lonzo comes back, the defensive side of things goes up. I mean, they're, they're still a top 10 team in terms of defensive rating in the league, They've dropped, like I said, quite a bit with, with Lonzo being hurt. But once Lonzo comes back, what do you think the ceiling is for this team as constructed this season?
1: I think this is going to be the second best team in the Western Conference. Maybe not record-wise because they've just fallen too far. But the way they play on any given night, I could see them being favored in a series. Or not being favored, but taking a series against any team other than the Golden State Warriors at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't think there's anybody in the West, unless Houston kind of, uh, you know, once they start getting healthy and, and, and Chris Paul starts getting back to him, his old self, and uh, they obviously have James Harden, who, who's the best scorer in the, in the NBA right now. Uh, I don't really see anybody that, could, that is like, wow, they're going to they're gonna sweep the Lakers in, in the West. I mean, uh, they kind of got lucky that, that uh, the Clippers shipped off Toby Harris, because I think that would have been a battle going down the wire. But no way the Lakers shouldn't get into the playoffs, at least over Sacramento and, and the Clips right now.
1: Absolutely. I, I think the Clippers have prioritized Fusion over making the eight seed this year, though I, I think their team is not as much worse as maybe uh, the rest of the league does. Sacramento, their schedule is getting much harder. And I actually think it was kind of underrated that they gave up on Schumpert. From what I understand, he was a real leader in that locker room. and Those things, I don't know, they matter more than you might expect just from someone's play on the court.
0: And Juan Schumpert being considered a leader in the NBA. Wow, what, <laughs> what a season right now, right, with that happening.
1: That's of our team is
0: weird. It's very weird. <laughs> it is. But I mean, I think they'll, 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 be, uh, they'll be getting better and better as the years go on. But I agree with you. I mean, I, I look at their schedule as well. They, they have, they're going to have a tough run of it uh, coming up in this little stretch here. They're playing a lot of playoff caliber teams. So I think they're going to drop a little bit. And, and I mean, you look at the disparity between their home and, and road, road record. Um, I, I just don't see them getting it done. The only team I, I think that maybe if... Porzingis comes back to be maybe even 80% of what he was before he, he went out with the knee injury. I think the Mavericks could make some noise too.
1: Yeah, I don't think the Mavericks really plan on using him this season just for precautionary reasons. Like their medical staff just got a chance to look at him. So I wouldn't worry too much about Dallas, especially because they gave away a lot of their depth in that trade too. Uh, that, that doesn't really hurt me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, but that, that's the only, like, I, I don't think the Lakers have much competition from, from anybody else. I mean, the Timberwolves are there. The Pelicans are basically are going to be better off shutting down Anthony Davis and hoping they get lucky in the lottery. Um, so who else is there really in the West that they're competing against? I, I think they're going to have a tough time catching a team like Houston, who, who's uh, four and a half games up on them right now, who's up on the Lakers. But uh, San Antonio, Utah, uh, the Jazz have been playing a whole lot better, especially over the last 25-30 games. But uh, where do you think they realistically will finish in the standings, ultimately?
1: If they're lucky, I think they could get to the sixth seed, but no higher than that.
0: No, and so they'd be probably playing, it. Let's, let's say, hypothetically, OKC or Portland in the first round. They struggled with the OKC uh, a little bit this season. Although they had that big win without, uh, without LeBron in the lineup there. Uh, last time they played, but those are pretty favorable matchups for this team going forward. And if you have LeBron James, uh, who to me still is the best player in basketball, uh, you have a pretty good shot at winning any series, uh, regardless of who you're playing against, Sands, the the Golden State Warriors.
1: Exactly. I think if they can avoid Golden State in the first round and potentially even avoid Denver, just because that home court advantage is something in Denver, that would be extremely favorable for them.
0: Yeah, this win that they had against the Celtics, I think to me... It's going to tell a lot going into the next game on the weekend against, uh, against Philly. Like Philly obviously now has Harris, Butler, uh, Ben Simmons, and, uh, and Joel Embiid. Uh, they're, they're pretty damn stacked. I think they're going to make a run now trying to ca- climb up the Eastern Conference standings. And I don't think they'll catch Milwaukee, who, who made a big move today, getting Miritich. But um, if the Lakers can come out and win that game, there's no reason why they, they shouldn't be able to string off 6-7 in a row.
1: I mean, from your
0: mouth to God's ears, Jess. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what, we're, that's what we're hoping for right now. Uh, let's, get, let's get back to the player movement. Um, this team right now has an open spot. Uh, they're going to be looking at the buyout market. You have guys like Carmelo Anthony out there, uh, Wayne Ellington, who is going to be my choice for, for what this team needs in terms of a 3&D guy, Robin Lopez, uh, Ennis Cantor. Who would you pick out of those guys as being the best fit for this team right now?
1: I would actually pick a guy who didn't mention on your list. Uh, I still think Trevor Ariza is the best fit on the Lakers just because they could use another wing defender. Um, with Lonzo out at least another month or so, there's just not a whole lot of defensive pressure on the perimeter. You saw Brandon Ingram do a pretty strong job on Kyrie Irving today, but they just need one more guy. And none of the ones you mentioned are just good enough defensively to fill that role.
0: I think, Ellington, I think Ellington would be, would be a good fit, uh, or Ariza would be, would be an upgrade over him, although I have, from what I saw earlier today uh, uh, online, I'm talking about um, Ariza, is he, is he a buyout candidate for sure in Washington? Because I was reading that they're, they're going to try and hang on to him.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure if he'll become available, but Washington already showed a willingness to part with Otto Porter and they don't Keith Morris, so maybe there's a chance that he'll become available. But if he doesn't, I'm with you. I think Wayne Ellington makes the most sense. Like, you saw today how dangerous the Lakers are when they can make a few three-pointers, and he is a tremendous shooter. And he's, you know, he's been on the Lakers before, so be nice to have yeah.
0: him. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he's... It's funny, because I was looking even at, like, Robin Lopez, because I don't think you can trust Tyson Chandler to stay healthy the whole time. I think JaVale McGee is is, is pretty damn good for what his skill set is, and, and he's a lot better on the offensive end when LeBron's in the lineup, because he's able to kind of hit those... Uh, the, the dives going down to the hoop and, and waiting for, you know what I mean, even off the screen roll where there's a lot of attention being paid to LeBron, he, he does a good job of kind of finding that open space right near the rim. So I think trying to look at a guy like Robin Lopez, who knows if his feelings are hurt because of Brooke, but uh, um, I don't think he'd be a bad fit either. But a lot of people were mentioning Mello and it seems like uh, some people are saying they want him, some people don't. How do you think he'd fit in with the Lakers? So
1: he's LeBron's best friend, which is, you know, a nice start. <laughs> i i just don't see the value of having him uh he doesn't space the floor that well he doesn't really do anything but score in within the last year or so he hasn't been doing that as efficiently uh he definitely does not play defense i mean he's basically what michael beasley was and we saw how michael beasley didn't contribute as much as you would want him to so i just don't see the point of bringing him in
0: yeah, it's like you you've seen him you've seen him not work in in Houston, you've seen it not work in OKC. Um, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, obviously, I mean the Hawks and Bulls didn't even want to play with him. That was obviously a cat move. But it's like some of the people who are arguing for that, it's like, dude, you you've seen what, what the history has shown. The history has shown that Carmelo Anthony, although he had a, a phenomenal career for the period that he was playing in Denver and, and most of his time in New York, even though the team didn't get very far. It's like, what else do you need to see from him? He's, he's, he's an old guy. Unless he's going to be willing to just stand in the corner and shoot threes, he kills you defensively. Um, he's not a great three-point shooter this year. I think he was shooting 32 or 34 uh, percent with Houston before he got hurt. I don't see any upside in, in bringing him in other than the fact that you're trying to appease LeBron James.
1: Yeah, I just don't see the point of bringing him in. Uh, I mean, he hasn't even played really since November and we, the Lakers just don't have the time to let a guy get into game shape. You know, it just logically doesn't make sense for a team that's trying to fight to make the playoffs to bring in somebody who would have to be worked into the system, who can't just plug and play naturally like Ellington could.
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, could you imagine five years ago we would have been saying like, hey, Wayne Ellington's going to be a better fit for your team than Carmelo Anthony.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Three-pointers are all the rage.
0: Yeah, they, the game has taken, obviously, uh, a huge turn since the, I would say it started to a little bit with that uh, 2014 San Antonio championship team where um, you kind of saw a lot of spacing and ball movement, and then the Warriors obviously took it to another level, and, and you saw what Houston was like last year and this year, for the for a matter of fact. But uh, um, I, I don't know. I, I think the Lakers— Like, going back to Rob, uh, Rob Polenka and Magic Johnson, their plan— um they decided to you know they said we're gonna add some ball handlers like R- rondo's been to me when he's been healthy he's been a tremendous fit this year uh he had a huge game uh, against the Celtics, 17 points uh, 11 dimes um the the rest of the moves it's like now you're starting to pay a premium to rectify the mistake so i don't know if i believe in in what uh in what magic johnson and rob palenka are doing going forward because i mean they, they had lebron it's not like they had to they had to coax lebron to to come here against a. Uh, a myriad of teams that were like, wow, you know, uh, where's LeBron going to go? It wasn't like it was that 2010-2011 year, but LeBron kind of fell into their lap. And if you're, if you're looking at it long term, let's say they strike out with a Kyrie, they strike out with a Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. What do you think the next step for them would have to be at that point? Like, I, I don't, I just don't believe in what they're doing. I, I don't like the way they've, they've treated the young guys. And I don't like the way LeBron really has, it was trying to, to dictate What happens with this roster, I know he's done that everywhere he's been uh, over the last 10 years, but that that couldn't have been good for the young guys going forward.
1: I agree. I I think you have to expect that whenever LeBron joins your team, that there is just going to be an emphasis placed on players who can play right now, as opposed to developing young talent. And, I mean, we kind of knew that coming in. It's just everyone said the right things during the offseason about how they were going to be patient this season, and they liked the court they had, and they wanted to build something sustainable. And obviously when you lose enough games that team drops down to 500, those feelings are going to change. So the fact that LeBron feels this way about the team doesn't bother me so much. The fact that the front office is so clearly devaluing their young talent when they're trying to sell them as an enticing package for Anthony Davis makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, I really liked the first year or so of Rob Blink and Magic Johnson. I thought they made a lot of smart decisions. But ever since they signed LeBron James, the only thing they've really done that I've liked was picking up Tyson Chandler off of the buyout market and that sort of gifted to them, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's really the only smart decision they made. And, and uh, like I said, I think Rondo, Rondo with, especially with Lonzo uh, being out, know, I think Rondo has been a pretty good fit next to LeBron and, and just being a leader. And if you look at this, and I was actually thinking that, I'm like, okay, let's just say hypothetically they do get to the Western Conference final this year. Uh, in order to do that, they're going to need some of these young guys to really step up, like we saw Jason Tatum do last year for the Celtics, leading them to Game 7 of the, of the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, I don't know what this does for the team's psyche. I think it's good that the trade deadline has passed, so I think guys like uh, Ingram and Kuzma can kind of sleep better at night. Like, all right, at least I know I'm going to be in L.A. and not being forced to, to go to New Orleans for, for at least the next, you know, two, three, four months here. But, like, going into next year, do you think that has an effect on their mind? Like, dude, this guy doesn't even want to play with us
1: so much that he doesn't want to play with him, he just would rather play with Anthony Davis, which feels like a a reasonable thing to feel, you know, Uh, and I kind of like that the young guys will presumably get a chance to play in the playoffs this season and see what that does for their status, because the reason we think so highly of Jason Tatum is because of that performance he put on the playoffs, you know, the reason we thought so highly of Donovan Mitchell again was because how he played against Houston and how he played in that OKC series. So, for the young guys to have the opportunity to play in the playoffs and really show off what they're capable of in that high-pressure setting, I think will actually be a benefit for them.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's where you're going to see what they're what they're made of, and that's either going to hurt or help their uh, their their value going forward. Because you'll know what's that.
1: At least you'll know.
0: Yeah, you'll know what you have in these guys. Like when the lights are a little bit brighter in the playoffs and the defense is a little bit tougher, uh, which one of them is going to step up? So, let me ask you this: a- out of the three. Uh, Let's just say they do get to the playoffs, all things being equal. They're healthy. Uh, Lonzo doesn't have any ankle issues. You have Lonzo, EI, and Kuzma. Who do you think out of those three would have the best playoff for the Lakers?
1: My gut says Lonzo just because he can do so many things, but I also worry that you can scheme against him because of how poor he is shooting ball. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be Lonzo because I just don't think he'll have full health, even though I know that was one of your conditions.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Lonzo. Lonzo, I, I agree. I think he, he's the guy I didn't even want to see them uh, dangle in front of anyone. I mean, he, to me, isn't going to ever be a guy. And I think some Lakers fans get upset with the fact that, hey, you know what? uh, Lonzo should be dominating and, and, and scoring 25 a game and additional 15 assists. Like, that's not, that's not his style. Never has been. He's a guy who can score maybe 14, 15 a night. But the way he can run an offense, and we've seen what he could do defensively, I think that's what he brings. And that's what's going to be important. In the playoffs, so so to me, Alonzo is out of the three the most untouchable. And it's funny people talk about not wanting to get rid of Kuzma in the in the Anthony Davis deal. Like, oh, Kuzma, this, Kuzma's a year younger than Anthony Davis. It's not like Kuzma's a twenty-year-old spring chicken. Uh, not to say twenty-four is old, but. Um, you know, he's not like he's a spring chicken that, that you're giving up a guy who, who's uh, like Anthony Davis, who's a little bit past his prime. Like, I, I, don't, I think Lakers fans are a little bit are overvaluing their assets. And I don't think they're giving Lonzo enough credit. Although, I was happy not having to hear LeVar Ball up until this week.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a welcome respite not to have to hear his voice for about a year. I've forgotten what sort of damage he could do. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I don't, get, I don't even get why people like, uh, like the networks like Fox and ESPN even want to bring him on. I, I don't even know what it does for ratings. I think, to me, uh, more of a traditionalist. It's like, did you hear what he said on uh, Undisputed with Skip and Shannon that Lonzo is better than LeBron? Hey, dude, I get the fact that you want to you know rep your son and, and show confidence in him. But come on, man. Now you just sound ridiculous.
1: Yeah, the thing is, like Lonzo could have such a nice, heartwarming story if it weren't for his dad. Because he grew up in L.A. He was a Laker fan. He went to UCLA. Lakers kept their pick in the draft that he was available and they got to pick him. And it's, it's kind of a nice arc and it's just muddled by the fact that his dad won't shut up. It's
0: really- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, he put them in a bad spot and I, I don't like what he said with, with Luke. I don't like what he said with, uh, I don't like what he said with uh, um, uh, uh, LeBron. It's just like, dude, you're just turning into more of a, you're turning into more of a, of yeah. a of a hindrance and, and, and like hurting the team and you're hurting your son more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I think uh, one of my favorite things about Lonzo is how his play doesn't seem to um, reflect what his dad is saying in the media. He's super focused, super even keeled. I mean, obviously now he's injured, so there's no way of it addressing that. But even last year, he was so independent of what his dad was saying. And it seems like he has really good relationships with everybody on the team and the coaching staff. So thank goodness for that.
0: Yeah, that's, well, that's going to be a huge save for them going forward. But at this rate, uh, I don't see Luke Walton even, even being back, back with this team. Uh, there's been too much, too much going on and too much uh, negativity around him. And, and, and we know this. I mean, we've seen LeBron kind of, he's like a shark. When he starts circling around the coaches, uh, you've seen it happen with Mike Brown. You've seen it happen with David Blatt. Uh, I, I think the, the writing's on the wall for him. But uh, LeVar Ball obviously hasn't been much of a help to anybody in the Lakers organization up until now.
1: Yep, I couldn't agree more with that. I am hoping Luke Walton would sort of be like akin to Eric Spolstra, you know, but Eric Spolstra had the support of management in Miami, and Luke doesn't appear to have that. So I think we're, we're on our, counting our days with Luke Walton.
0: Yeah, that's going to be, that's gonna be uh, a tough thing. Because to me, Luke, Luke, like you said, Luke is a, is a, is a bright mind to me. And um, he's a young guy, and I don't think he's had a fair chance to roll. Uh, he obviously hasn't been, I mean, the, the team hasn't been fully healthy and he hasn't had control of that roster. I think there are some things he needs to work on, but like you mentioned earlier, like w- what are the alternatives? You know, people are talking about Mark Jackson, like he he did something revolutionary in in Golden State. Yeah, that team was on the come up, but Steve Kerr took him to another level.
1: Exactly, and you see what happened in Milwaukee when Jason Kidd left and they have a competent coach in Mike Budenholzer. Just none of the alternatives make any sense. If there was somebody who they wanted to bring in who had a track record, of success, I would understand, but the options on Magic Johnson's resume list are incredibly way worse than Luke Walton.
0: Oh yeah, like I was hearing the Jason Kidd rumors. Like I'm like, come on! If, what has that guy done? I mean, even with Brooklyn, Smartest I think they they, they beat Toronto once. Through. Like that was that's was all he did.
1: Smartest moment of Jason Kidd's coaching career was when he had that player throw a drink on him so he could get a free timeout.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was you know what? Give him credit. That was a genius move. But other than that, he he was nothing but a but a distraction and. He couldn't do anything with Milwaukee. And like you said, like uh, what they're doing now, you, you see the difference a coach can make. And I don't know if there's any better options out there uh, than, than what we're seeing with, with Luke Walton. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, with you, Sabrina, is going forward with this, with this Lakers team. Uh, if, you, if you look at LeBron, let's say, you know what I mean? He's, he's 34 years old. He's going on 35. He'll be 36, 37 by the time his contract's over. If you look at this team right now, in your And I know it's, it's, it's far-fetched to look at right now, but do you think that he will bring a championship to L.A.? Is he focused on bringing a championship to L.A.? I think that's another thing, too.
1: I think he wants to bring a championship to L.A. I think he recognizes what it would do for his legacy if he were to win a championship, one, in three cities, and two, to be a Laker to win a championship. I mean, like it or not, there's just an extra layer of significance added to that. So I think that is his mindset. Uh, I mean... I don't know. Uh, it's so hard to say that you think your team is going to win a title unless you're a fan of the Golden State Warriors.
0: Yeah, we, I, I think this year, and, and, and if, that, if that Warriors team, uh, you start to kind of disintegrate with, uh, with KD probably, might be leaving. I don't want to say probably because that would be starting a rumor that I have no, no factual basis off of. But, I mean, KD might be leaving this summer. Klay uh, Thompson, I think, will ultimately resign, and, and Draymond they've been kind of up and down with. But, I mean, the way they built that organization in Golden State, man... Um, they, you know what I mean? You can't argue about what Bob Myers did with that squad. And, and when I look at Palenka and Magic Johnson, just based off the moves I've seen since they kind of took the reins, I don't know if these guys are the right people to build a team in, in today's NBA. Like the, the way things are looking, it's not, it's not the way it was, you know, in the early 2000s. And, and as you got up to 2005, five, six, where it was like, all right, you know, the, the, the big name guys are probably going to go to the Lakers. And, and people just kind of accepted that. But if you, look at, if you look at the team over the last six, seven years, other than LeBron, and that was only this time because the other couple of times everybody was like, no, he's going to come to L.A. and then he ended up choosing Miami and then going back home to, uh, to Ohio. But um, like, is that the way you should be building a team now? Is that what Magic Johnson and Rob Plankett should be doing? Or they should be saying, let's try and nurture one of these young guys at the very least, or two of them, to be cornerstone pieces for our team, not only for the next two, three years, but going forward as well.
1: I think, the very fact that the Lakers have LeBron James means they have to do some things to expedite the timeline. They just can't afford to waste Warriors LeBron because what is the purpose of sinking so much of your money into LeBron James if you're not going to try to win with him? And I mean, like you, I, I have some misgivings about Magic Johnson, Rob Blanca, but I really just think they need to build out the staff a little bit more. Like We complain all the time about how Luke Walton's assistants don't really seem to bring anything to the table. I don't I don't know the names of any people that are working with Rob Polinka to make this front office stronger. Like, you think about the Clippers, and they brought in these executives from all over the NBA who had this experience being assistant GMs, and they put them all together, and they're making such smart decisions. And from what I understand, Rob Polinka likes to go about it alone, and that, I know, is not a winning recipe in today's NBA. You need multiple, competent, smart people in the front office.
0: Yeah, look what Jerry, I mean, even Jerry West, I was like, anything that guy touches it has turned into gold in in the NBA and and the Clippers. I mean, when I first saw the Tobias Harris trade, I was like, what? And then, you know, it took me a second to realize I'm like, no, this is a this is a long term plan. Uh, Tobias Harris, very nice piece, uh, damn good basketball player, but not going to win an NBA championship if he's one of your top two guys. And if you look at, I mean, the whole culture change since they got rid of Donald Sterling, uh, they, they've done a lot of good. And I, and I feel like I, I was on that boat when they got, uh, when Jim Busk was kind of let go of his duties He's not really let go. I mean, he's, I'm sure he's still a part of the team and the organization somehow. If not, he's a very rich man anyways. But, um, you know, with Jeannie with taking the helm, I, I just think the Lakers might be stuck in a little bit of a, of, of like a pre, uh, almost like an old school NBA style that that really doesn't work anymore. Like you mentioned, like you need to be a little bit more flexible and, and bring in different people who can help you grow the game, because you have to, be A, uh, bring in the right players, B, make sure they fit as a unit, because, to me, without LeBron uh, on this squad, this is probably a 25-30 win team.
1: Well, I mean, if they had kept Julius Randle, it's probably a little more
0: than that. <laughs> so they're a 27-32 to 32 win team. <laughs> How was that?
1: 35 games last year.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but I, did, I think they've taken a step back this season. I, I, without LeBron, I mean, things just got ugly, and I understand... When you lose a guy like LeBron James, it's gonna, it, it takes a massive toll on your team. But ultimately, um, just, just some of what I was seeing and, and the way the team was playing, it, it was almost deflating. And, and you don't want to see the team drop off that much when you lose a guy like LeBron. You were hoping, I think everybody was coming into this season, like, like you mentioned, because last year they started to show some signs of, of all right, these guys are on the, on the come up and they're going to make some noise next year, regardless of LeBron or not. And then we saw what it, what it kind of turned into without LeBron. And to me, Ingram really, really struggled on the offensive end. He had that nice stretch of games before that Indiana uh, loss uh, a few days ago where he was shooting basically 70%. But he's been, he, he, to me, has been like the, 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 the guy who deserves a lot of the – I don't want to say the blame, but he hasn't developed to what I thought he would turn out to be.
1: I just think that the way this team was constructed, everyone was – built to play around LeBron, and there was no consideration given to what would happen if LeBron got injured, because we've never had to consider what happens when LeBron gets injured. So it's a it's a risky way to build a roster, I suppose, but it was built with a lot of historical evidence, and once LeBron got injured, everybody was forced up into a role that just didn't suit their abilities. And I think they were okay when Lonzo was healthy, but once he got hurt, you know, just the wheels
0: came off. Yeah, that, that and, 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 you know, I'm not, like, I don't want to argue that, obviously. I mean, I, I know that losing losing LeBron, I'm just saying if you're looking at it, go, even going forward, too, like, let, let's say next year, um, they don't land, in, and we mentioned this a couple times already, but let's say they don't mention, uh, they don't, uh, pardon me, get any of those big name guys, and, and uh, you know, what, what do you do for plan B? Then you're, you're, you have these young guys still who are, you know, two 21-year-olds in Ingram and, and, and Lonzo and a 24-year-old in, in Kuzma. You want to see them take the next step, at least.
1: I agree. It's, it's going to be a fascinating offseason. It could go a bazillion directions. I literally have no idea what way it's going to go. But, That's kind
0: of a scary thought, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's nice to have options, I guess. Worst comes to worst, you start next season with LeBron and some good young players. It's, they're they're worse positions to be in.
0: Exactly. And I think, well, being in Lakerland, you know uh, people here can get a little bit cra- crazy, too. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. Uh, Sabrina, I'll get you out of here on this one. Lakers right now sitting at twenty-eight and twenty-seven. Um, if they if they do get into the playoffs, who do you want to see them play in the first round? Portland. Portland. You think that's the best matchup? Absolutely. Why well, why do you think they match up with the Blazers so well?
1: Uh, they can defend Damon C.J. really well. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic isn't the type of big that's going to pop and give our drop defense difficulties and lebron has no one can guard him on that roster not even close
0: <laughs> yeah you know what uh, lonzo's done a real good job on dame leonard a couple of times when, when they played him earlier i know they lost to him uh, as well but uh, lonzo he gives damian leonard fit so I, I i agree with you i think that'd be the best uh, best matchup to, to play in the opening round of the playoffs absolutely all right sabrina thanks a lot for taking the time out to do this i'd love to have you on again
1: yeah thank you for having me on this was fun
0: all right, that's Sabrina Merchant. You can check her out on Twitter at Sabrina JM. That's S A B R E E N A uh, J M. Don't forget to follow us as well at Lakers SBN and subscribe to our podcast network. Uh, we basically have shows running every day of the week. Um, you can check us out on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podfe- podcast fixed, we're there. And of course, check out SilverscreenArrolled.com. All your Lakers needs covered, uh, updated with everything to do with the trade deadline, what happened, what didn't happen and what could happen going forward as well. That's it for this episode. We'll talk to you guys next time.